0: Welcome to the podcast, Salsen.
1: Thank you. I'm happy to be here.
0: Yeah, awesome to have you. Before we get started, I just want to acknowledge I'm producing this podcast on the stolen lands of the Klehus Homoko, Klaamen, and uh, Komox First Nations, who were one nation before we came in and separated them into reserves.
2: Mm -hmm. Grateful to
0: be here. So, Salsen, tell me about yourself.
1: So, uh, my name is Salsen Razouk, I am Lebanese. I was actually born in Monrovia, Liberia, in West Africa. Um, Our family had to flee there at uh, different times uh, because of the war in Lebanon. Um, So I didn't necessarily grow up there because war erupted there. So I grew up in Lebanon. Uh, My first language is Arabic, but um, most of my studies was in English. I studied general psychology in undergrad at the American University of Beirut, Um, and I realized that I appreciated clinical psychology and social psychology the most, so when I um, wanted to pursue my master's education, I went to Columbia University in New York. Uh, At Teachers College, I got my master's in clinical psychology, Um, however, it was quite theoretical, so when I graduated, I realized I needed a More training, so I got trained in ABA and I started practicing, thinking it would be just a stepping stone. And then I fell in love with ABA, fell in love with working with children. Eventually, I started working with all ages. Originally, my practicum was with um, a geriatric population, actually. Mm. Um, And um, I pursued ABA. I continued uh, with the verified course sequence. I studied at. ucla ucsb and uh, the chicago school of professional psychology to Mm -hmm. get the the courses needed so i can sit for my BCPA exam which i did and i passed Um, and then i realized that aba may not be enough Uh, started learning about uh, started learning from um, autism self-advocates how their experience of aba was and it was kind of a it was extremely difficult for me to hear some stories about how some people experience it as traumatizing. Um, And I started trying to change and what I call myself a progressive behavior analyst. So I tried and every single day made the decision to be, you know, person centered, culturally responsive and trauma informed in my work. Uh, But I realized that it's important to know other strategies as well, because I was interested in working with not just special ed, the neurodivergent population. I was interested in working with just back where, you know, where I started with everything in the clinical psychology side of things. So I got trained in acceptance and commitment therapy um, Mm -hmm. as well as a bunch of other therapies, but that is like the most one that I I frequently uh, rely on. Um, And I also got trained in something called eye movement desensitization and reprocessing therapy, EMDR, uh, which is famously known for trauma therapy, but also can be applied for a variety of, of mental health conditions. So um, for around 11, 12 years straight, I worked in ABA and special ed school inclusion. I was part of the, the revolution and I, I would call it in the UAE with ABA becoming mm. so, so popular as well as um, inclusion in schools. Uh, I used to do a lot of community engagement, community training, being bilingual um and I loved it all, but I really now am moving more into the direction of doing therapy for people who have trauma for so on. And I combine behavior analysis act and EMDR, and I found it to be absolutely brilliant. Um so there are proper trainings on how to mix ACT with EMDR or mm. ABA other therapies. Um but I I yeah, I learned each separately. Um and next for me is um Trying to just continue enriching my skill set, um, and each of my clients, I learn something new from them, and I'm trying my best to also, um, so yeah, so enhance my skills. So I make sure I can be the best therapist I can be. Um, so I'm pursuing further certification, further further licensure, and different things. Um, I think I already had a quite a long monologue, so I'll stop here.
0: No, <laughs> oh, that's a good one. Yeah, so. Trauma seems to be something that's been a part of your life from the very beginning.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: There's something you said at the very beginning that uh, kind of where you started. So you said you started in Liberia, yeah.
2: And, yeah. Then,
0: and so tell me about Liberia and, and 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 why you had to flee at such a young age.
1: Uh, so yeah, so I'm uh, the the youngest of five siblings, uh, for uh, five children, and um, when it was when I was born in '89. A year later, uh, the war in Liberia erupted so um I remember that my father had to stay back because in the past, when he had fled with us he he lost everything the warehouse, the business, everything we have an electronic store there hmm. um, so I'm sorry, that time, was
0: was this like an internal war or were they a war with somebody else or
1: yeah, so there was uh, called the rebels and uh, against the government so there mm-hmm. was an internal conflict it's a mm. civil unrest, i think if you have to la- put a label on it sure. i can't actually remember there were several wars so yeah. i can't remember the 89 which one it was right. um but yeah but 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 war has been yeah part uh, even when i was in my mother's stomach like there's if you want to look at epigenetics and all of that yeah. like, even in my when i was in my mom's stomach she was in lebanon at first um mm. so there was war there and there was that civil war so um it was definitely part of my um my i think my story
2: mm-hmm. uh,
1: but yeah but it was I, I was just one years old and we had mm. to all flee and we had to separate from my father um which is quite distressing for my mother and my siblings mm. i of course didn't understand anything what was happening sure but we went to the north of lebanon where we are originally from And then, uh, because there was war in Lebanon, in Beirut, uh, so Mm. we had to go to the north. So there was less options for us. So as soon as the things settled a little bit, we went uh, to a city in the north rather than the village we are from. Um, So we're kind of always on the move. Um, And then when we grew up a little bit, things settled, the war ended. We're still being occupied by uh, Israel.
2: Mm.
1: Uh, Some areas were occupied by Israel. So... We were still considered to be at war, but there was no more active uh, battle or anything. So we moved to Beirut at that time for our education. Um, And yeah, I mean, I'm very sad to say that I grew up watching um, explosions from the window. Like it was, Mm -hmm. we were far, we were in a safe area, thank God. Uh, But I thought it was normal. I thought everyone experienced it. I didn't Mm -hmm. know any different, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, and then in 2000, when the Israeli occupation uh, forces, they, they, they withdrew from the south of Lebanon and the war, quote unquote, ended like it was amazing. I, I remember even as a child, I knew how monumentous this was. Mm. Um, and then there was, unfortunately, we were unofficially kind of occupied by Syria and, uh, by Syria.
2: Mm. No
1: one would actually kind of talk about it because it's extremely uncomfortable because mm. we, we love Syria. So it, but if you look at the politics of things like we were never really truly independent and then in 2005 mm-hmm. there was this major assassination that happened in Lebanon mm-hmm.
2: um
1: and I is very vivid to me because we heard it back in, when we were in school um and they assassinated our prime minister and I remember wow. even as a 17 year old um 16 year old I was 16 um
0: If you'd like to collect continuing education credits for this episode, you'll need to enter the three secret words at www.cbiconsultants.com forward slash shop. The first secret word is compassion.
1: 2005, I remember that was my first protest. We went down and we all protested against what was happening and um And the talk, like the words like trauma and things like that were always thrown around like so normal. Like it was as if someone, you know how nowadays we talk about, oh, stress or burnout. That is how the word trauma was thrown around. Like, oh, Mm -hmm. people are traumatized or they have shell shock. And like it was so common that it felt normal almost. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, I think that's what drew me to psychology. Um, And I'm not the only one between my sisters who studied psychology. Four of us (laughs) studied psychology. Oh my gosh. (laughs) My brother was the only one who went into business straight out the bad, but, uh, uh,
0: are they, are, they st- are your sisters still in the field
1: uh one is one is a uh, she continued till she got her D. she practices in, in the u.s um as a clinical psychologist and you know she's a mentor to me and my idol because she's amazing with her trauma work mm. um but uh, no my other sister went and used her psychology for business and she went into corporate world so she oh, yeah. business, <laughs> business psychology for her consumer uh engagement and so on it's quite cool um my other sister she she doesn't work right now so yeah
0: yeah yeah so okay so, so it so. kind of
1: explains why why trauma was so inviting to me um, mm-hmm. I just from such a young age yeah
0: and and did did you know did you yourself ever have to you know get treated as well for for this or was this just so Absolutely. normal part of life yeah, no
1: no no I had to. Uh, so just two years ago, I finally got diagnosed with ADHD. Mm. Um, but before then I was given different diagnoses. I was uh, generalized anxiety disorder. Oh, but don't worry. All Lebanese are like this. And um, wow. we had, uh, you know, I had, uh, when my father passed away, very suddenly during my master's program. Um, and at that time, I, they always mm. encouraged me to go to therapy. So I was already looking for therapists in order mm. to, Mm. fulfill you know parts it wasn't a requirement it was a suggestion uh, yeah. from the program we were in so the therapist at that time diagnosed me with complicated grief mm. so she didn't call it PTSD, but it was a very very sudden death of my uh, my father mm. um, and I didn't I had to shop for therapists I didn't like the first or the second or the third um the fourth mm. one I loved her she used EMDR with me mm. um, and we only worked on my father's passing so we didn't work on anything from war. Truly, truly, I thought everyone experiences this. So I did not even bring up issues with about war. Mm. I didn't even realize that it could be why I catastrophized so much and why <laughs> I become <active>. upset. <laughs> yeah, um, and I masked my ADHD so well as a child. I was very cute, but hyper, but uh, very sweet, but naughty, like <laughs> stuff like that. So it yeah. was all well hidden. Uh, so these past two years, I had to go back and get kind of. Um, I had to go back to therapy to learn how to manage my ADHD in a functional way and Mm. not develop anxiety and depression symptoms and so on. But yeah, with the EMDR, my first experience, yeah, it was just 2021. Uh, That Mm. was when I first experienced EMDR and it was amazing. Um, And then as I told you, like, I focused uh, my energy on ABA. So I kind of forgot all about EMDR. Until Mm. the recent years when I, I started realizing, like, can't just be talk therapy. Like there has to be other stuff we can do. Like this can't be it. Um, and my sister was like, why don't you get yourself trained in EMDR? And mm-hmm. I did. And now I'm pursuing a certification in it, so I can become a consultant because I love it so much. I want to train mm-hmm. others.
0: <laughs> yeah. So EMDR is weird. So I, no. I, I, uh, I also have a, you know, a recent ADHD diagnosis and, uh, I, uh, Welcome
2: to you... yeah thank you yeah
0: yeah yeah no it's it's great um it's 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 made such a huge difference in my life and i've talked about it a lot Same. in the podcast and other places yeah. uh the you know the medication that i'm on has really dramatically reduced a lot of the symptoms and and made certainly made the things that i learned in therapy easier to do um yeah. uh, you know in a well, I'm starting to actually remember some of the stuff I learned in therapy because I don't really. I I don't think I was very good at paying attention in therapy, um, <laughs> as you can imagine. Uh, um, and so, yeah, no, I, I definitely yeah, But that, there was, um, I've got some um, kind of you know um, um, skin skin picking problem, mm-hmm. right? That I've had ever since I was like like a child. And so the therapist recommended EMDR. Um, now this was during kind of during COVID, so there was no in person. You know, appointments or whatever. So she was doing EMDR over Zoom, um, and you know, I, I'd heard of it, but I didn't know what it was at all. And then the next thing you know, I, I'm I'm looking at this screen, um, and it looks like I'm looking at like a very old Atari video game, um, you know. like like Breakout or Pong or something. Like folks 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 might folks Google Pong. It's like the first ever video game. That, you know, back in the 80s or something or the 70s. Anyway, it's basically this ball that's kind of bouncing back and forth oh, on this little, on this little rectangle, like yes. right? And so I think this one, I think this this particular screen had a, maybe a little grassy field and a little ball bouncing of course. And she basically said, okay, I want you to um, um, think about, you know, she asked me kind of what, you know, are some of the triggers or what are the, kind of the first thoughts I have before I start mm-hmm. to kind of, you know, pick up my cuticles or whatever. And um, And so I said this, this, this. Okay, think about those things. And follow the dot, um, and I'm like, this is ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, what are you yeah. doing to me? <laughs> this is this is silly, and I and it also made me kind of nauseous, kind of just move my eyeballs back and forth over uh, and over and over again. Oh, I
1: experienced that as well. Yeah, I have heard the ghost. Well.
0: Yeah. You know, so what? So I said, what is this ridiculousness that you're putting me through? Uh, I think I might have even said that. Like, what's? How does this even work? Yeah. And the therapist told me that. You know well actually we don't really know how it works. Um uh oh. and, and so and so I'm like was someone just playing pong one day and suddenly the the trauma <laughs> of their lives disappeared? Like like how did that even come about? So uh, w- w- what do you know about EMDR as far as its origins and and possibly what it's doing?
1: So it is an absolutely absurd story. Um first of all let me tell you you're not alone um as i told even when i i went through it myself i was i wasn't even out of a master's degree i didn't even understand trauma properly i haven't even met george Bonanno back then like I i had no idea about anything so yeah. i went in there really like just maybe uh, not not novice in mental health but like just a little bit insightful but one of the steps in the protocol of emdr is um, it's an eight-phase protocol. And mm. what the first one, of course, is you take a history and so on. And they ask you all about uh, your journey in life because we believe that we have good seeds and bad seeds. Some seeds turn into weeds, if not plucked, and some seeds turn into beautiful flowers. So we have good and bad things that happen to us. Um, and it's all part of what makes us who we are today. You know, mm. So the the, the the second step is to actually explain right off the bat what we know about why EFDR works. So you shouldn't have... Had to ask. Um, But the story is very absurd. So I think it was 87. uh, Francine Shapiro, who created EMDR, she was, I think, a grad student in California. um, And she was walking through a park. She had gotten some bad health news. um, And apparently, she started following a leaf for like a couple of hours, looking at it, moving left and right, left and right. Mm. They call this psychotic movements, psychotic eye movements. Mm. So, um, and then she felt better about the topic. So the next few weeks, she kept trying, coming watching something moving her eyes left and right left and right and thinking about something negative and she found her that she's becoming desensitized to it so then she started with hmm. her friend so wow. initially by you know after all of the research and the things by her first book i think was in 95 so like eight years later and it was called EMDR, emd so eye movement desensitization it was not there was no r yet there was no reprocessing yet Hmm. Now, after all the further research and the further applications, like it's no longer just for upsetting events, but maybe upsetting thoughts, maybe body sensations. So they kind of expanded it much, much more with a lot of research. Then they added the reprocessing because they, she realized that we actually work on reframing our thoughts from the negative thoughts. We try and strengthen the positive thoughts, the positive beliefs. We try and kind of make meaning out of loss. We, we, we do a lot of reprocessing. So that's mm. where she was. like, I wish I can even rename it because further research showed that it's not necessarily eye movement. So I have I am exactly like you. I actually get very dizzy if I'm following something with my eyes. I have vertigo. So it triggers me immediately. Mm. Um, so. The next, what I was being uh, told to do back in therapy was to tap as if there's butterfly wings on my shoulder. So I'm, it's called uh, butterfly tapping. Yeah. Um, so it stimulates both sides of the brain, and it does this. It does the job. And or you can tap on your knees, also left, right, left, right, alternate. Um, there's sounds that like we can play. There's buzzers we can hold if we're in the same room, and it alternates. So there are several theories for why it works, and it's no longer just that it's eye movement where mm-hmm. we're mimicking REM sleep. And
2: mm-hmm. REM sleep
1: is when we do most of our processing and consolidating of uh. the day-to-day events. So there are several other theories. So one of the theories, and um, I, I, I I do subscribe to the, the fact that eye movements does trigger something like REM sleep um, because most of my patients, I would say 90%, Um, would say that they have very vivid dreams the night that they have the EMDR. So after a Mm. session that day, they might feel even a bit tired. That night, they have very, very vivid dreams. Um, So there is a lot of truth to that. But she's right. She was like, years later, decades later, they asked her, you know, about the naming. And she said, I wish I can rename it and remove the fact that it's eye movement desensitization and call it dual attention stimulation. Mm. So... This is why um, there is a theory that when we're paying attention to two things at once, eventually one has to weaken. Mm. So if I'm telling you to pay attention to tapping on your chest or the dot or the sound or whatever, whilst we're talking about something that is normally very upsetting, if we're just talking about it in a vacuum, Mm. it is easier for our psyche to manage and to digest it and to desensitize from it. And then the questions that we ask you may be well, better tolerated. So we work within your window of tolerance and we expand it. Um, so yes, it is it is absurd that there is no one theory why it works. There are several. So there is the fact that it's similar to the rapid eye movements. There's another theory of the working memory where if you were paying attention to two things at once, eventually one of them has to give. Um, there is also the fact that we, we try and activate both hemispheres at once while talking about one subject. So there might be things that were stuck or unprocessed and probably because we have a hard time verbalizing them. And then when we, when we are telling you to do something with alternating sides, either like butterfly tap on your chest by alternating sides or tap on your knees or listen to the sound in, in, in earphones. So it alternates between ears. Um, it could be that's, why uh, you get desensitized to something faster. So it is, it is very frustrating that, and it's very absurd. First of all, how this came to be, it is upsetting that you can't really tell. But the thing is, we don't know enough about our brain and we don't know why different people respond to it in different mm. speeds. But the, the truth is for the past 30 years, with all the research that has been done, again and again and again, it shows that it does work. And Mm. it is very, very um, for people who are very analytical and kind of want to know why, you know, uh, perhaps like you, um, like me for sure. Especially Mm. because I was always like very interested in neuroscience. It frustrated me to no end in the first few training sessions when Mm -hmm. I asked the question and the the clinician would say, "Oh, I don't know. We don't know. We don't know." And I'm like, "Well, then how are we doing something to people that we don't know about?" She was like, "Well, we do have these six or seven theories, and there is research to support it and every one of them. We just know it works." And mm. then now, you know, I recently watched a training. He's a brilliant, brilliant trainer. He's a BCBA, I believe. Um, and he, he talked about trauma-informed ADA. Um, and he kind of dissed EMDR. And I wish I, I could reach into the screen and kind mm. of tell him he compared it to CBT. Like CBT predates EMDR by 30 years. Like mm. you cannot compare the two. Of course, there's going to be a wealth of research behind CBT that compared to EMDR is not you know, even comparable, but we're talking about something that was born in the early nineties, or I mean, late eighties, mm-hmm. um, but proper research and documentation and all of that started from the nineties. Um, with all of what we, the brain is truly fascinating with all the variety of mental health conditions to which you can apply EMDR, Yes, you may need to have all these theories to account for it. Because honestly, I think just like with CBT, you have so many strategies. Same with the EMDR. Like I have many kids who I do EMDR with, of course would never sit still and look at a screen or follow a sound. Like they will get so bored. So we use uh, like scribbling. So it's left and right scribbling or I tell them to mm. jump left to right and I put stuff for them. So we make it movement based. We make it like suitable for the client, but we're still mm. doing cool attention stimulation, hopeful aim for uh both hemispheres to be activated at once with or without the eye movements. because really it's paying attention to two things at once that is the key um and 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 i love emdr because it treats like of course it treats ptsd for sure that goes without saying as one of the first and most well-documented things that even if you go on emdria emdria.org you can literally look at a button with the research and it is around 34 pages worth of, I literally tried to print it once um, to give to a client. I thought it would be like three pages, four pages. I had a very Mm -hmm. doctor who I was treating. Um, So he wanted to know the evidence behind it and so on. And I was like, oh, my 34 pages, like I was like, waste half my (laughs) ink. So I never printed it, but you can see all the research, even stuff that the APA has published that puts um, for treatment of ptsd for instance or uh, erp like uh, specifically for phobias or something it puts emdr right up there with with the best strategies you know Mm. um so i i really i really have seen it firsthand the benefit of it i've experienced it um and yes like there are things that we have to do within emdr so so you know that We have five main uh, trauma responses, right? So we have the fight, flight, freeze, uh, phone, uh, and flop. So the phone and the flop are a little bit less known. Yeah, what Um, are they? So fawn is when you people please. So let's say you have an attacker or a certain aggressor in a situation or a certain threat in a certain situation that your Mm. body is perceiving as a threat, right? Mm. You start fawning over them. So you want to please them. You want to keep the peace. You want to do anything or give them anything as long as they just leave you alone, right? right? A flop is similar to freeze, but you actually like almost lose consciousness or you almost completely collapse. Mm. Um, And I've seen each of these uh in 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 kids and adults that i've I, i've been working with and in myself as well like i know like sometimes if someone of authority is yelling at me i might get very t- triggered or if i hear fireworks or if i hear uh, helicopters like i might get very triggered because i'll remember soldiers or i'll remember um war times and i realize this and i Of course, we have all the, everything they teach you in CBT, like, or in ABA, like uh, breathing techniques and uh, cognitive reframing and all of that. Um, But it just doesn't go away until you actually do enough desensitization to it. And ERP, yes, it's wonderful, or like systematic desensitization as we know it better in ABA. Like, it's great, and I've, I've used it, and I've seen great benefits to it. But it's just not as a holistic, like not a a comprehensive, sorry, approach to Mm. things. With EMDR, the eight phases includes something, they don't call it psychoeducation, but it is something like psychoeducation. So they call it resourcing. So we make sure that the client has enough resources to cope with different events that might happen. Mm -hmm. We make sure that their window of tolerance is is good enough. We make sure that we are well-educated about their history. And then there is um, identification of the negative belief, What do you prefer to replace that with? So what positive belief would you like to put in in place? Mm -hmm. Um, What are the emotions and body sensations that come up for you and we constantly check with the client. We give them a rating scale of 0 to 10. It's called the SUDS scale. So it's um, basically like a disturbance scale.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: we ask them, like I can even graph my sessions, you know, just like mm-hmm. I graph an ABA. But it is a subjective um, description of where they are at different uh, points in the therapy. And sometimes things take two sessions, three sessions uh, of actual uh, processing and you're done with it. And you start focusing on on increasing the strength of the positive belief so again we measure it so it's the validity of cognition on a scale of one to seven seven all the way through one all the way false and we keep working on it until they truly believe it and all parts Mm. of them you know um so i i start feeling like i for instance i have a woman with a cat phobia severe cat phobia Mm. like yes she came to me because she now a bcba and i said yeah I'm, i'm very happy and i'm also you know well trained in erp and you know I can do, you know this, but if you're willing, let's give EMDR a try. Within, after four sessions of processing, she had two cuts in her home and she's the, the happiest.
2: Oh my gosh. It is
1: unbelievable. It is unbelievable. Um, I, I just feel like if there's something out there that you can add to your toolkit, like, yes, it's not so well understood as well as other things, mm-hmm. that's okay. I really just look at the effects of it and I feel motivated every time. And when we get stuck, there are things that we call cognitive interweaves or um like basically questions. And it's similar to, you know, how in CBT we put thoughts on trial or in ABA, we, we try and focus on certain parts of things and we're, have like behavior activation uh, targets and self-monitoring and self-management. It's very similar to that, mm. but they are a like- lot written in the language of emdr mm-hmm. um, and it's up to you when when the client gets stuck somewhere or a session goes wayward or something there are a lot of suggestions that you get in your emdr training and there's things that you can draw on from other disciplines like with me for instance i start questioning what's the function of this behavior so if they can't logo let go of the pain so what's the function of the pain mm-hmm. i had a client once tell me it became part of her identity she doesn't know who she is without it like flat out she said i i really don't know who i am without it And I was like, all right, so it gives you, you know, there is a there is a purpose. That's why you just can't let it go. So there is a way to bring in like internal family systems therapy, like parts work, we call it, or it's where our ACT or ABA into the EMDR. Mm-hmm. And a different phase, whether it's when the processing, when we're doing all of this reprocessing, or even earlier when we're doing resourcing, as I call it, like we teach coping skills. And when I'm working with with children where it's much easier to be in charge of the session than when it's an adult and they, you know, they have their own things to talk about that. I I run that phase of EMDR, the way I run an ABA session where I'm working on executive functioning skills, teaching them self-regulation. I literally take data. Like how many times were they able to complete this? Were they able to do it independently? Are they able to self-monitor? So you can mix all three approaches in such a beautiful way that I'm just that as I told you, like that that trainer, he's brilliant in so many ways, and I followed him for so long. But when he like kind of this DM I'm like, oh, oh, I thought I liked you, <laughs> you know. And I, yeah, I I respect other people's opinions, but I don't know. I really, I'm so passionate about it. See, because I how I ramble about it even.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, for sure, that's awesome. You know, and, uh, I mean, thinking about your 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 trauma friend there, I mean. I mean, I think this is, this is sort of something I talk about on a lot of podcasts. And the reason that I speak to people from a lot of different fields is we've got such a problem in ABA that we, that, that we think all you need is ABA, you know, all you need is, you know, there's a Beatles song in there somewhere, but, um, (laughs) you know, um, um, and, 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 and it's, that's, it's just so. I don't know I, I mean I don't want to I don't want to call the guy names but it's it's it, it, it's it's just it's just so um I don't know limiting I guess you know to, to only think of the other of one thing you talked about sort of the EMDR and, and the R being reprocessing or like reframing and a lot of that sounds to me like act in there yeah. too so yeah yeah uh, I'm, I'm 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 curious um I'm curious, I'm curious about that connection uh, about ACT and EMDR. How, how how do they fit well together?
1: They fit so well. First of all, when I have clients that I feel are not fully on board, like they're they're not really all in when it comes to doing the therapy, and EMDR is hard. You have to sit with the discomfort and just learn to be okay with it. Um, and yes, we're 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 adding the dual attention stimulation, so it's a bit it's a step further from just talk therapy and just a waiting game. It's a bit different than that but they they have to be willing and they have to be all in. Uh, And I'm I'm not going to, you know, talk about different parts in us that could be hesitant. I'm not going to, that's a whole other tangent, but I I then try and remind them of how this is a committed action that gets them closer to what they value, which is mental health, perhaps, you know, uh, a better relationship with their family or however, where, you know, originally they come in with a concern, like, I can't connect with my sister or I can't connect with my child or I can't take it at work anymore. So there's a normally a superficial concern like that. Not superficial that uh, I mean, that it's uh, that's not valuable. I mean, the shallow. So yeah. that's all they see at the surface. So uh, we look at what, okay, so this is what you're looking at. This is, so what are your values? Uh, that is one of the first things I ever do uh, just because I truly love values exercises. Um, so mm. I try and look at that as part of the goal setting And then we try and use the fact that they're showing up for sessions and going through the EMDR processing and answering all these uncomfortable questions, sitting with the discomfort, doing all the work as a committed action to get them closer to these values. So first of all, that is the clearest link between the two. Mm -hmm. Um, Second of all, there is the the psychological flexibility that you need and that we try and focus on in, in ACT is something also that you need in EMDR. that is part of the window of tolerance like you have to be able to realize that these thoughts are not going to go away you can't erase your past it's not like hypnosis that you might magically remember or forget something like i know that's a mess too but anyway like i i with emdr there's not even true informed consent you have to just be willing to do to to go through it and see what comes up for you Mm -hmm. and with if you don't have the psychological flexibility then you might have roadblocks so just like we do resourcing with, with, with EMDR, similarly we have to do with ACT. And the things that I choose uh, when I'm doing resourcing with EMDR, I don't necessarily focus as much on, let's say, somatic symptoms or things like that as or breathing and things like that that um, uh, my counterparts would do, like someone who's solely practicing EMDR. I add to it things that are like reorienting yourself to the present, like the, the grounding exercises, things that are very common within ACT. So I just kind of have a bigger toolkit. It's, it's It fits so well. Um, and, and other phases in EMDR, like I told you, like when we, we get stuck somewhere with the client, I really do have to try and investigate the way I would if it's a normal uh, ACT session. So I might use metaphors. I might use uh, visuals that are very popular uh, with ACT. Um, and I might do the same in the EMDR sessions. I would pause the processing for a little bit and, like, go and lean into where they're stuck. So the way I investigate is a bit different than someone who's solely trained in EMDR because I have such a wider toolkit of things that work and act. Um, and my favorite uh, metaphor to use is the, 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 the member, the, the, what do you call it, called? the people on the bus metaphor, like the thoughts that are negative. Like, I tell my clients, you know, I'm not going to help you erase these thoughts. We can't erase the path. We can't undo something. What we Mm -hmm. can do is no longer be affected by them. So we can desensitize you to them and focus on the positive thoughts. Mm. Um, So that's how they truly fit so beautifully together. And I'm very able to go without even the the client noticing that I'm shifting uh, techniques. Like, it's not like, okay, now I'm going to do this. It's not a very... mutually exclusive they fit in so well and seamlessly that it just is the way i formulate my questions that's all Mm.
0: Mm. really cool really cool yeah Yeah. i mean i I think i mean i love the idea of combining all all three um and uh uh in the work and 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 it really it does seem like it just all all meshes really well together so you're you kind of want to mostly focus on working with people who have trauma now right
1: yeah i mean um it's just because i don't i have so much experience with neurodivergent uh, populations, special ed the behavioral difficulties that i feel like i i would never say i mastered something but um you know you can never be an expert in this field but i feel like i'm it's it is a strong suit of mine so i mm-hmm. i was very interested in Expanding to where I didn't get exposure, so it was just back in when I was doing my practicum during uni, and even my practicum was split into two settings. It was one; it was a it was a rehab uh, facility and nursing home. Mm. It was on in Island. I think it was even bought out now by this corporate organization. <laughs> it's been so long ago, but um, mm. and another one was at Nipsey where uh, we did research, and so it was. I didn't get the kind of the clinical feel except from that rehab facility, that nursing home. And it was with a very restricted population: TBI, um, um, geriatric population, um, stroke uh, recover, recovery. So
2: mm.
1: it was very, very nice. I liked it, but nothing like no trauma works. So I wasn't exposed to that. Mm. i personally in my life yes it was a lot uh, that we we as i told you it was part of the language uh, part of the vernacular everywhere i went growing up Mm. um so i was really really attracted to that that's why like in the past year honestly i didn't work full time on purpose so that i can every single week i would finish a book on uh some new strategy or some therapy or delve into some way of doing things just so i can really feel like i um well uh, versed with when it comes to trauma Mm. um anxiety depression and all of that is very common and familiar to me but trauma itself yes i that's why i pursued the mdr training and now i'm pursuing the certification because i was always like so interested in it it's very applicable to me um and yeah i just never got exposure to it clinically so i went into
0: yeah well and, and also i mean just sort of from from your literal birth until um you know pre, pre-birth um, until mm-hmm. sort of you know uh, you know some of the crazy stuff that's happening in the world right now mm-hmm. i mean you've lived in places where you know i think you know folks on this side of the world just can't understand or relate to and, and i think i'm not saying folks over here don't have trauma there's a, i mean i i just i told you before we Hit record. Yeah. I, I'm 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 a, I'm a firefighter. I mean, yeah. people are exposed to trauma for sure, but but they're not exposed to you know unavoidable trauma yeah. on a daily intensive, lifelong basis like folks yeah. Yeah. appear like folks in in a lot of these a lot of these Arab countries, um, um, and and so. Something you you said earlier when when you were talking about when you're talking about getting your ADHD diagnosis, mm-hmm. you know, and I think you kind of just said it sort of off the cuff, but you said that you know one of your friends said that you know everyone in Lebanon has an anxiety disorder,
2: yeah, um, yeah.
0: you know, and 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 is that just because everyone is is traumatized sort of all the time in these countries? On you know we level.
1: don't have like i don't have the statistics i don't even know if we have the capacity to do these uh studies to try and figure out really the prevalence of it yeah
2: yeah but
1: i would i would like it was so in, in the emdr training we practice on each other in the trainings in front mm-hmm. of the trainings. Yeah. and there was this question where everyone said no 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 it was a question where have you ever had any experience with military compl- combat exp- explosions earthquakes and so on and everyone was uh, from north america in the training i was the only one who's arab um, and who's not living in that area and so i started giggling and she was like why i was like every single one of them i've experienced every single one of them several times for mm. a long time mm-hmm. like i don't lo- even to start started saying this is what we would call a cluster and started explaining (laughs) like how to approach it um and then now yes most of uh, no i wouldn't say most but like half of my client base is lebanese Mm. and now part of my intake kit is the um it's a it's a a tool that's called the journey of not so good experiences so it's like a Mm. questionnaire very typical or most common adverse events um and some of them are just i can't like I can't stop listening like when mm-hmm. the Lebanese people are are in the session. Like it's yeah. uncanny. Uh so I wouldn't say all, but I would say it's extremely prevalent. I don't know the number. I don't know if even we have the statistics for it. I'm sure I can yeah. find out. But it is just so upsetting that people have almost normalized it.
0: Yeah. It's interesting too that you talk about sort of, you know, we talk a lot in, in North America about the ACES.
1: Mm -hmm. the
0: the adverse child experiences um sort of scale or whatever and you know you know you know have you experienced divorce have you experienced you know abuse have you experienced poverty divorce and so on and each one of those and again i I could be butchering how the scale works but essentially as i understand it the more of those things you have the higher your score is and and the more likely you know certain things are to kind of occur in your life, you're you know there's you know greater chance of disease, um, you know greater chance of of, of suicide, greater chance of, of 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 you know drug use, and so on and so forth. Greater chance of a lot mm-hmm. of sort of problematic things kind of happening. But how, I'm wondering, kind of you know, you know maybe you don't know the answer to this, but how 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 would a scale like that work? You know, because if if you sort of got one point for being being, you know, in a in a in a natural disaster or a war, you know, do you get 10 points if you're in 10 wars? Um, you know, <laughs> yeah, kind of I thing. think
1: this is where, yeah, this is where um, they yeah, you're right. So the the ace is, is lovely, it's great when you need something quick and you need yeah. something that's well known. So that if you know if you're collaborating with other professionals, yeah. I may use it. But I definitely definitely do not rely on it um yeah. and there that is where you know that's the the strength of a clinician when you're writing up a report or creating a differential diagnosis or doing all that work like you have to you have to go into the details like it is yeah. not right that um you know in my own lifetime i i oh my god, I can't even count the number of explosions i've been here <laughs> truly and i and, and and I've had it better than my friends I lived in mm. a uh, Mostly Christian area. I lived near embassies, so I was very safe. But I Mm. saw and heard everything, and like my my now husband back then, he was my boyfriend. Like Mm. he was displaced during the war. Like I, I, this is kind of vicarious experience as well, Mm. and um, the powerlessness that you feel like that is also traumatizing. So yes, scales like this do not account for these areas. So Mm. now, for instance, we have a task force where we're trying to So I'm the president of the Association for Behavior Analysis in Lebanon. Mm. It's the chapter of ABAI affiliated with it. So um, we have a task force to try and support the people that are now experiencing all of this uh, violence and conflict. And uh, we have, uh, you know, some people um, that are volunteering in Lebanon. We have other Arab practitioners who are joining this task force just, like, to support. So, for instance, we have someone on the West Bank Um, And I told her like, hey, listen, listen, I think I can facilitate group therapy sessions. Mm -hmm. Um, What we want to do is we want to make it into community based support group because, yes, we've been through similar things in Lebanon, but it's not the same thing. I've not not been through a genocide. I Mm -hmm. don't know what it feels like to feel like my turn is next, you know. So Mm -hmm. I thought it would be more empowering for the community if we would teach you guys how to run your own support groups, empower you, and then we back off. So. We were trying to do that. And then she just kind of asked me, like I was showing her some of the things that even the WHO, Ross Harris, they've all collaborated. They've created lovely, lovely resources for the community. And she was like, this is all well and dandy, mm. but this is gonna be a yes. Like why even waste time? This is a yes for everything. There's no post. You can't give me a, diagnosis. you can't. And I'm like, mm-hmm. oh my God, like, it's so right. Even Even though I am from the region, I still, because I learned and most things are written for the Western countries, and I've studied there, and that's where my mm-hmm. training comes from, I still make that same mistake. Like, mm-hmm. even even I have to keep myself in check, like, the, is this applicable? Is this sensitive? Am I going to be uh, almost um, insulting? Like, mm-hmm. uh, am I going to be harming her by all of her answers are going to be, yes, she's going to be feel like this is so helpless. Why even do the therapy? So we we didn't end up pursuing this route where we have so many obstacles of the first one being the internet, but um, <laughs> like, we ended up, Honestly, like we had to adapt many things and this is kind of even prompted us to try and think like maybe we should create our own questionnaires and there are, there are things adapted for the Arab world and for uh, violent uh, stricken area, violence stricken mm. areas, but um, just not enough and not standardized, mm. enough. you know, mm. there's a lot mm. of work to be done for sure, for sure. And it takes yeah. the clinician to be strong enough to make that determination. But that's a brilliant question
0: yeah so well now that you kind of you brought it up what 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 is what i mean we're we're talking about i mean it's it's uh, february twenty twenty four uh we're talking about the 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 war and um, i didn't really know where the war is but the 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 war between israel and palestine essentially um 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 and uh, kind of all in that in that kind of i mean i, I think i guess watch it a couple of months ago, it was all sort of in this sort of narrow kind of piece of land in 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 in, mm-hmm. in the Middle East. But now, I guess now it's kind of expanded beyond. Now we're seeing things oh, happening kind of in terrifying. Yemen and yeah, other countries, yeah. and and you know battles on the sea and and you know and, and you know who knows what this conversation will look like three months from now. But but right, right now, there's there's you know a lot of a lot of folks that are either you know dying but there's a lot of folks seeing death there's a lot of folks um seeing horror seeing things that you know i just can't even you know i can't even fathom and you know i think you know and i think the media you know just gives you snapshots of sort of you know right. what's what's really going on there um, right. um, um and so in the midst of all of this um you know uh, craziness there are you're saying there's actually therapists working like like almost on the front lines per se with some of these folks is that is that what's going on like yeah the second secret word is war
1: so what uh who we, we were able to reach we were able to reach like People from PCRF, people from Inara. We were trying to, even Dr. Hassan Abusetta, I don't know if you saw him, but he was, he was very active on social media, kind of documenting what was happening and advocating mm-hmm. because he was part of Inara as well. But um, to be honest, we we had a hard time trying to reach and know how to help. So, for example, Steve Sassabee, told us, you know, get ready for the post for when it's done, then we can meet, we can use your trainings, we can use your uh, your resources that you're creating in Arabic and individualizing for this conflict, you know. um, mm. um I had, uh, I was able to reach uh, someone, his name is, uh, I believe, Ahmed Aburjela, like he, uh, they run, what is it called? Um, on Instagram, you can find them as Shabab Ghazza, which means mm. the youth of Ghazza. They're the ones who try and entertain all these children that are locked in areas and they try and make the hot food and play games and they're trying to do all this community work. Um, I don't know much about them if they're actual therapists. Again, I reached Mm. out to them and said, how can we help you? What do you need? Like, Mm. no, we can't get physical things in for you. What else do you need? Like, how can we help you? Um, and I told him, like, I have a team of everyone collaborating from clinical psychologists to social psychologists to whatever you want, ABA mm. professionals. He was like, I cannot even get on a proper phone call with you. I don't even have the resources to even have a chat with you to even raise mm. awareness about this. Like, thank mm. you, but no thank you. So, like, mm. at first, we were so heartbroken. Um, and then we were able to find some of our colleagues, some of, you know, ABA practitioners in the West Bank, some who have family in Gaza. And we started asking them, like, what do you need? Like, how can we help? Um, and they said, you know, um, it, now all, most of the centers that used to give AVA therapy are closed or mm. any, any special education are closed. The mm. school year is short. We need some resources to empower the families, to teach them how to cope, to teach uh, the, the students how to uh, make up for lost time, to know how to express themselves, despite if they're neurotypical or neurodivergent. Uh, sorry, whether they're neurotypical or neurodivergent. Mm. Um, and um we started that's we we broke ourselves up in the task force into different groups. whoever has the scope of competence. We started we're mostly focusing on creating resources um and uh, trainings in Arabic, in the Levantine accent so that it's suitable. And we're making sure to record things from scratch and write things from scratch because we don't want to kind of give them something that was designed where we ask parents, go ahead and go buy that and go do this and create this when we know you can't. Like that would be almost insulting. Mm-hmm, so we're doing mm-hmm. it all from scratch, which is why it takes a bit of time. Um, and part of this endeavor is to raise awareness to the trauma uh, that's going on and how different clinicians and different, even, even social psychologists and political psychologists can help us give insight into making sense of this injustice and this mm-hmm. uh, response that we're all having. Like there was around two months where, for real, I couldn't uh, catch uh, six hours of sleep even straight. Like I would wake up on the hour every hour just to check my phone. Like, and I'm not even in the region. Uh, mm-hmm. So, for we we tried. We, we're trying to you know pull our resources, see how we can help. But uh, uh, apart from creating trainings and basically training the trainers, and then they go into the communities and the camps to train the families to empower them um we're we try to offer as many um resources that we can that as I said are individualized and in their even dialect um but we face a lot of obstacles we do even with, with the individuals who are volunteers mm-hmm. yeah there's sicknesses, there's rampant, they can't get medicine easily, so we have like people dropping out um uh, so we're facing obstacles left and right um but it's better than not doing anything i, I I'm sure we anyone who who looks at something and especially the linked faith component like they look and walk and talk like me um maybe even the people in south lebanon like all, all of them have been displaced they're all mm-hmm. in beirut schools are closed centers are closed you feel just so powerless and helpless that you you feel like you are immobile uh paralyzed with the survivor's guilt um so i like this task force yes it's slow moving but we have also very limited the capacity with what we can do but we are doing something and we're trying to make it as sensitive and responsive as possible um to what's happening but i i i truly cannot believe i think we're on day 122 i think uh i mm-hmm. me if I'm wrong. but it is it is just it, my my brain just cannot i man- cannot handle it anymore um half my clients uh are either in um areas that are in danger or are fleeing um and, and everyone is like how 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 is the rest of the world operating? Like tell us like they're truly almost looking at me with this kind of cocked head. Like, how how is, how how are people not constantly talking about this? This is this is everything we are living and breathing and this is all we think about. How can other people just be able to move on? And I have to tell them it it isn't mainly a human coping strategy. You have to. You, you we can't. We're we're so helpless and powerless. The next best thing is to try and shut it out sometimes. Like it is just very painful for everyone involved.
0: Wow, mm. um, heavy, super heavy, and 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 uh, you know. Also, I was talking. I had um, this was in December. Had uh, Dr. Bahar Aminian, Um and she's a um, um, Arab um, psychologist in the states and uh, or, Iranian. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, Psychologists mm. in the states, um, and mm. she was talking a lot about um, the work she's been doing, or shoots her and her colleagues. And there's this the uh, Arab MENA psychologist group. I don't know if you're familiar with them. Um, oh, and it's kind yeah. of like a it's kind of like one of these special interest groups. It's called the Arab, Mina, Arab MENA Arab M E N A Middle East North African mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. psychologist sort of association. It's sort of a division, I think, of of the APA. Um, 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 and really encouraging anyone around the world that's, you know, Arab have been in, in, in any of these fields to join um, uh, because oh, awesome. she was talking about how there's a real need as well, you know, to support the clinicians themselves um, that are either, you know i think in in in, in your context there you know th- these are clinicians that are literally you know probably fearing for their lives um in some context um yeah. um whereas i think it, it, she was talking more about similarly i think fearing for their lives she was talking about sort of you know particularly like palestinian um um american you know um, oh, psychologists yeah. and whatnot that are that are you know dealing with you know uh, racism and hate and all those sort of things um in north america and sort of you know anti Anti, you know, Islamophobia and, and, and the like, and and trying to kind of build supports for clinicians over there. Uh, has there been any kind of work there or conversation there around sort of how to, you know, even support the clinicians themselves?
1: Yeah, we're preparing a webinar, uh, a two-part free webinar. Even we're offering CEUs. So again, it's part of this task force and um, something ABAL is always interested in and in trying to do, which is to enhance the grossest therapists, so this one is is dedicated we haven't actually figured out the title of it although it's Mm. just in the first part Mm. um so it's with a um, developmental and trauma therapist in canada but she's lebanese Mm. and another one is who uh, an educational psychologist in the uae but she's also lebanese um so they're basically who were interviewing but it's going to be a webinar with the PowerPoint and all the literature involved um, to back it up and the, the, the focus of it is to how to be your best self basically as a therapist when you are experiencing difficult life circumstances mm. such as what we're going through right now. So mm. this is going to be directed to therapists and we'll, we'll we'll talk about mindfulness a little bit, we'll talk about the trauma response, we'll talk about compartmentalization, the difference between compassion and empathy and how you know you don't have to absorb what your client is going through and how to stop that from happening. The mind attitudes basically that you should have. Um, And the so as part of the Association for Behavior Analysis in Lebanon, myself and another member are interviewing these two therapists after they present their side and their experience and their literature. And to translate it into ABA language, basically, like Mm. how does it apply to the ABA field? Just Mm. so that it's kind of an interdisciplinary talk and that applies to everyone who works with anyone um, in in a therapeutic setting or even a special education setting. Um, I know a lot of the times we take our work home with us and it's just, Mm -hmm. it's not easy to, you're just human. Sometimes it's not easy to stop thinking of it, especially when it's someone um that you have a linked faith to with so um yeah so we are truly it's, it's coming up in around 10 days um the first part and then after that a week later the second part and it is dedicated just for this but i'm i'm thrilled to hear about the this uh, group that you mentioned i'll reach out to them and i'll let them know that we're doing this because it's going to be delivered in english but with arabic translations mm. um live, live captions so um, and again, it's we're all Arab, um, but we've all practiced everywhere. So it will be flexible enough to suit someone who's attending from the U.S. Uh, and who knows, maybe they'll they'll let us join them as well, um, and we can collaborate. I think I think mm. that's very So thank you so much for. Oh well, yeah, no,
0: yeah, I'll send you the info. We'll share the info when we're done. Obviously, I'll put the show notes and stuff too. Uh yeah, no, She 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 really was she one 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 of the questions I had for her was about sort of you know, even like can you know can like arab uh, arab uh, behavior analysts join um join and she said, yes, 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 everybody, please oh, we, we, you oh, know, it, it, it's
2: please. a relatively
0: new group as I understand it, um and so the, and uh, and of course, she was talking this is a bit of an aside, but she mm-hmm. was sort of talking about kind of how they're especially needed in 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 the u s because um in the us uh arab and middle eastern people are not counted in the census um
1: -hmm.
0: and and so there's actually they're actually counted as white people in the census yeah yeah, i always
1: smile when there's the word other i'm like i am other. i'm other. yeah
0: (laughs) yeah exactly And, and and apparently this goes you know beyond the census to some other sort of you know, political entity and whatnot. But, mm-hmm. the, you know, again, just speaking to your kind of structural systemic racism and so on and so forth. But, yeah. you know, there there really is a need for a lot of support. Um, I wanted to kind of go back a bit to Lebanon and, and ABA Lebanon and kind of some of the work that's happening there. I mean, in, I had uh, uh, Rola, uh, mm, I, I know on, I
1: heard her yeah, a, yeah. Oh, a
0: while she, back and uh, you know she's, she's the one sh-
1: who's running those webinars with me she's that board member ah, I told you.
0: oh good hello Rola okay she super. is
1: very very like has a lovely combination of skills as well not just purely because so that's why it really I,
0: does yeah, oh, yeah that's that's so awesome i was wondering yeah because she she does a lot with mindfulness and and whatnot and so that makes sense that all kind of fits in there and um um, and i think at one point she was the she was also the president right Mm
2: -hmm. Uh, yeah
0: um and yeah yeah and and she um and and i I encourage folks to check out episode 94 with her because she uh, we won't get into this today but she shares a lot about some of the history of in lebanon and and Mm -hmm. um the many tragedies that have occurred there um uh, you know, uh, from the October Revolution, um, uh, the the Beirut explosion in 2020, and yeah. and, and other yeah. other things like that, and and sort of some of the history there. What what, what is you know? So it's we're, we're about um, I don't know 30 or so episodes later. What's uh, what else has been happening with ABA Lebanon? Like how many members do you have, and what kind of works being done?
1: So members, we. We realized that the fees, we had a small fee, but it was still a fee. So mm. it was stopping people from enrolling. Mm. So we waived the fees. Uh, so now we have over 100 members. We were around 25 before, <laughs> before we waived the fees. Um, we're trying as much as we can to empower the community. We just ran a conference in October. We brought uh, speakers from the US. Um, they're ABA and speech uh, practitioners, speech therapy, sorry, practitioners, and um, we. The topic was ABA across the lifespan. So mm. my, my part, I talked about because that was my passion in ABA, and it's working with adolescents and adults. So transitioning into adulthood, that basically yes. and we we were able to bring up topics like sexual education for special ed uh, for SEN population, and it was amazing. Um, we also are trying to. So with this task force, it kind of preoccupied us. We were very ready to start planning the conference for 2024, which is probably going to be in October. Mm. And we were all for like making it into uh, ABA in all settings. Like how can ABA be applied in the workplace or in school mm. or so on and so forth. And mm. um, uh, But it's all kind of, we put a pin in it when the events started happening in October. And since then we feel, um, we have we had so many ideas of like, um, empowering the community, teaching, teach, telling parents, like what is the, what to expect from your service provider? What is a you know, ABA um, standards of practice, like to make sure everything is being done in and in up with fidelity and, and mm-hmm. integrity um but we had to kind of put a pin on all of that because honestly we felt it would be insensitive you know we know south lebanon is being bombed on the daily and next door we have a genocide and then for us to be like does your aba practitioner do this so we felt it was mm-hmm. weird it's been 122 days it's so we're we're moving along we're forcing ourselves to to still we know still people need the the support so we're trying mm-hmm. to engage the community so we have this network now um where we have a community on whatsapp it's this um it's, uh, um text messaging app mm-hmm. um, that's very famous in our country so mm-hmm. to try and share articles and things that are applicable um where we're trying our best to um where we might actually make uh trauma and and trauma-informed therapy uh as topics of the upcoming conference but we're yeah. still on but i think that would be very relevant and very important um yeah we have several things on the burner and. Um, we're, right now, we're also making sure that we are empowering and we are even trying to sponsor uh, people to get certified um, at different levels. Uh, we're trying to even um, collaborate with other chapters. Um, even some some in the U.S. have expressed interest in, in what we're trying to do. They see like we have an underserved community, so they give us some of their experience. So it's really very nice collaboration. Mm. Um, but yeah, that's what we've been trying to do. Um, the financial situation fortunately is still the same. Things are hmm. crazy expensive yeah. in Lebanon because you only you can only use dollar now. Uh, can you believe it? We use us dollar daily exclusively now. Um, wow. otherwise you have to have like a, a, a whole suitcase of lira to be able to pay with the Lebanese cash. Oh yeah, you yeah. 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 Uh, so yeah, but I mean I hate to use this word, but the Lebanese are resilient and they figured out a way to cope and live uh, and figured out sources of income and Mm. figure out different ways to fund different things. But Mm. there is just a huge disparity, as I was mentioning, I think, before we started Mm. all this, like we don't have a middle class properly anymore. Mm -hmm. Uh, So either we're properly well off and you have funding from someone outside of Lebanon, or you're really just struggling to make ends meet. So we have to be very careful with that when we offer CEUs or if we offer any. Suggestion for certifications, we have to offer routes and um, resources that are free or accessible. Mm-hmm. Um, take care of the people who need it, yeah, uh, make yeah. sure that they get what they need,
0: yeah. yeah, what I was also wondering about was refugees um, mm. you know and and, and, and you know and, and and sort of is Lebanon a place where refugees from all of this are coming, or
1: absolutely, oh my God, even from Syria, we have. Mm. A huge popular. We're so overcrowded. It is unbelievable. Yeah. Um. You know, my mom. I when the things when all of this started, I told you we we don't we don't necessarily live in, in an area that has any com- combat. But I was yeah. just scared. She's an old woman. She lives alone. So I was like, mom, please leave. She yeah. Said no. They'll take my house. And this is so triggered by several things. It's triggered by the fact that there are so many refugees without homes that if they see an empty home, they'll take it. Mm-hmm. And it's also triggered by the settler colonialism, the fear that she has instilled in her, that she truly, truly believes that her home, even though we live, as I told you, in a in an area that has nothing to do with Hezbollah, is so far away, it's not even funny, mm-hmm. um, that that she has this genuine fear, she just cannot get rid of it. And
2: mm-hmm.
1: everyone tells me so soon, it's a real fear. Like, there is so much poverty, that if they see an empty house, they'll just take it and i have my heart breaks like a part of my volunteer work back in college when i was still in lebanon was in refugee camps at that time there were palestinian refugee camps not syrian mm. nothing like that the syrian war hadn't even started back when i was living there mm. um but the 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 immense amount of uh refugee camps it is it is unbelievable like uh, there's a whole chapter of funds that are meant for Palestinians that actually goes to these refugee camps even though they're on Lebanese land. Um, this is how 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 big it is. So for me, when I see posts like or tweets like, uh, why don't the Arab countries take the Palestinians? So first of all, they shouldn't be having to leave their home. But even so, we already did. We, mm-hmm. There's no more... Uh, mm-hmm. They're not even living in good conditions anymore, the Syrian mm-hmm. or the Palestinian. It is just so heartbreaking. I have so many uh, friends who reached university but they were living in a refugee camp so by the time they reached university I wouldn't know where they came from just like they don't know where I came from we're all mm-hmm. in in Beirut it's a huge campus and then they would be like oh yeah this is how we were living we had the rations we had and I'm like oh my god this is horrifying mm. um yeah the level of need the and the, the amount of refugees Lebanon cannot take more physically um and it's just heartbreaking because no one is going to close the door and say don't come in no mm. no one would as much as Lebanese, they would say, oh, you know, we're overpopulated, yes, refugees and so on. And there's even political parties that argue about uh, naturalization and, uh, you know, making them nationals. And uh, it's a whole other ordeal. But at the end of the day, no one would close their doors and turn away a refugee. But it, we shouldn't have to do that. That's that's where we stand. Same, and I think with um, Egypt has the same political point of view, like We shouldn't have to keep opening our doors for... for, They shouldn't have to leave their homes, full stop. Like, it's Mm -hmm. not that we don't want to take them. Not at all. Um, uh, Yeah, so it's just very, very unjust. And I think as a trauma survivor and someone with ADHD, the injustice sensitivity is just... Honestly, some days I just can't take it. I find myself grinding my teeth just by scrolling on Instagram. Like, I cannot control the upset. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Because I also wondered about... um... Yeah, you know, and I mean you're doing so much already and you got so much on your plate, and but you sound like someone who would happily add more to your plate. Yeah. Um, <laughs> awesome. um about the the kind of work maybe you're doing now, the kind of work maybe this conference might bring, and the kind of work you've done in the past around has that also been applied to supporting refugees? Um um, and, and so
1: now now yes now we look at we look for volunteers and practitioners who are able to either train trainers or themselves go into refugee camps um but there are already entities frankly in lebanon that are mental health uh, oriented and that they do this work yeah. um and yeah. it's because it's been such a long uh standing i know even i i wasn't even the one who came up with the idea to to do this volunteer work it is just advertised everywhere it is that much yeah. of a common thing and right. that much of a need um, that they even let uh, student level volunteers come in and support with with uh, community-based uh, mental health support so that's what we used to do even my sister did the same thing um, and and we have these organizations that are honestly they're very very active in Lebanon uh, for different things so it has mm. to do with domestic abuse but it is provided for anyone in Lebanon as well as people inside the refugee camps because it is a different type of support that will need mm-hmm. be needed in those areas mm-hmm. um so there is a lot of work and it's all without government funding if i if i, yeah. if I know I, we wouldn't even dream of it uh, there, yeah. the government is so corrupt anyway um, mm-hmm. that, yeah we wouldn't even expect funding so it's all being done by donations by volunteer work uh, Per, uh, yeah, uh, fundraising that is completely, has nothing to do with the government. Mm. Um, yeah, so it, it, there is uh, definitely uh, this task force, if we are presented with someone who can enter these refugee camps in a new area, this is, that's why even we kept the topic vague, uh, the title of the task force vague, it's on our website. We kept it vague because we want it to be lasting. We we were hoping for a ceasefire soon, and we want this task force And this collaboration with other practitioners to continue for any time there might be a crisis. Like um, the last time a group of therapists banded like this was back when there was earthquakes last year. Um, So, again, they did social stories for kids to explain all all of what's happening. Um, And the the earthquakes was all around Syria, Turkey and Lebanon. So it was extremely terrifying and Mm. very, very massive. So again, therapists it. so this is not new and I do not want it to stop. If I would leave a legacy as the president of behavior analysis in Lebanon, it would be for this task force to be vibrant and continuously adding uh, So yeah, for sure, if we can reach these refugee camps consistently, I would be so happy, mm. um, yeah.
0: Uh, and I wanna circle back to that in a second, but a, mm-hmm. a bit of a tangent question too, just as my own sort of personal interest in, um, mm-hmm. because I'm also thinking about all the first responders um that are there that you know literally you know digging people out of rubble and, and carrying bodies day after day after day um have you or any folks in your group had experience kind of working with those folks too
1: to be honest with you no but i uh, the trainer who trained me in EMDR is a trainer uh, sorry is a therapist for first responders mm. so she was sharing her work and i was just floored because i have some of my best friends who are paramedics and who um are volunteer firefighters mm. um and who are still in Lebanon? So they were there yeah. for at the August uh, twenty twenty explosion. The it was had nothing to do with war. If yeah, yeah. anyone is listening and they're not aware of it, it was um, the second largest non-nuclear explosion that has ever happened. It is so. It was so heartbreaking that people are being treated in parking lots on the street. Um, so I I um, just asked my friends like, how are you? How did you cope? And they were like, we yeah. have to completely become robots, shut down our emotions, yeah. and work like. I think there's a, such a need, and um, this is why I'm trying to get my full license as a mental health clinician so that I can then, separate from ABAL, I think it, is, it a little bit exceeds the resources yep. of ABAL, yep.
2: um,
1: but I would love to participate in running groups for, for for first responders. I think this is such a need and very underserved, for sure. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: mm. Nothing even comes to mind of something set up. I'm sure there are, but I can't sure. even think
0: of it. Yeah. No, I'm just that. curious. Kind of circling back to ABAL and circling back to this the task force, the sort of the, the vaguely named task force. Um <laughs> <laughs> and so it will last a while. Um what are some of the things i mean a lot uh, i imagine most of the folks that will be listening to this this it, this interview you know probably won't be in these arab countries there may be a couple here and there uh but a, a lot of them will probably be you know north americans and, and 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 sort of folks that are maybe a little more removed from here but also folks that are you know connected to aba connected to abai and so mm-hmm. on um what are some of the things you you kind of want you know these folks There is a lack of diversity when it comes to educational material depicting black children in the field of applied behavior analysis. Human expressions gives black and brown children realistic and detailed images of kids who look like them, modeling everyday skills that may be difficult for them to communicate or express. At human expressions, the benefits of representation for black and brown kids in educational curricula are clear. Increased self-esteem, reducing stereotypes and increase validation and support to learn more go to www.humanexpressions.org that's human h-u-e-m-a-n expressions.org the third sugar word is heal to know um and and you know how can folks and and more and more so i think you know i think you've, you've said a lot of the things already you want them to know uh but more so how can folks help from, from the outside?
1: Oh, how can they help? Um, to be honest with you, this question was once posed in a different context completely. Mm, yeah. And there was such backlash from people who are opposing. Um, so who, I want to be careful of how I phrase this, who, who, who don't believe this is a genocide, who yeah. believe this is pure self-defense. Who
0: are, I, get, I get what you're saying. Yeah. yeah you know, so like, how how dare um, we even offer to help? You know, yeah um,
1: that was truly worded in an email and a sig that i was part of that was yeah. truly written. and i was yeah. i could not sleep or eat for two days because i could not even muster the words to respond to such a statement mm-hmm. because for me i mourned the victims of october 7 it's just like i am mourning everyone now the human life is a human life especially mm-hmm. if they're Canadians. um and so yes we can try and put context and and we can try as much as we can to explain everything but there's so much cognitive dissonance, there's death, it's almost, you feel so powerless. And so mm-hmm. the the first thing I can say is just, at least if you find a, an endeavor like this, don't criticize it, don't attack it, uh, don't try. And um, there are some that are so gone ho actually, that actually criticized us for not putting the word Palestine in the title. And I said, well, I am so scared of getting sanctioned as ABAL. Mm-hmm. Um, um, from chapters that are perhaps not in, in line with us that were mm. accused of being politically oriented and so on. Mm. Like I, said, I have responsibilities. I have certain liabilities as well. So yeah. we had to be careful and we got criticized. So mm. the first thing I would say is don't criticize and don't attack. Like we, what we're doing, look at the call to action. What am I doing? What am I doing is I'm offering humanitarian support in the form of tra- training and resources right now, hopefully in the form of empowering the community. It doesn't mm. matter who. Um, so, for for me, I think I would just ask for, for mental health clinicians to be a bit more wise and compassionate when they are presented with such an endeavor in front of them. There are many mm-hmm. like us. Um, I remember I was in a sick group and there was once a person who said... Um, as mental health clinicians, I, as a mental health clinician, I mourned the psychologist who was killed. Just it was just two weeks ago, and the mm. backlash on that list serve, I was just floored. I was, I was like, we cannot even mourn. Like, what? Who are you to tell me who I can mourn? And the mm. call to action was things like pool resources in order to see like similar to things that are uh, dedicated for certain groups so that it's culturally responsive and sensitive to the times um so there wasn't like there wasn't any accusation no threat but immediately the the backlash was so big um Mm. for us in abal generally yes we have a a page where you can give us uh, donations and we can we outline like how we use your money but if as if this is for this particular task force, we're very scared when it comes to fundraising because we're still not certain how to um get the resources there physically, and we're all volunteers, so it's not like I'm covering the salary of anyone, you know. Mm. So monetarily, right now, I would advise if anyone is inspired or at least interested in what we're doing or wants to support it, I would uh, ask them to support who we support, which is uh, endeavors like Heal, H uh, E A L, uh, mm. by the founder. Uh, the, uh, the founder of the PCRF, the Palestinian Student Relief Fund, um, he kind of created this association because he really wants to focus on the mental health healing as well. Mm. So you can donate there. You can donate on Inara. Um, I'm I'm a bit worried to say, oh yes, yeah, donate to ABAL when I don't know still how to get the money to the people there. Like we contacted the mm-hmm. people, they said that the ATMs don't work regularly. We can't we can't even if you do send us money, how can we what can we do with it? Mm. Um, and we were thinking of creating kits educational kits including toys like uh, stuff that we would use for coping and then we were like got so excited and then someone who lives on the west bank said, and how will you get all those stuff like we even people in the west bank cannot reach their family members and like it is so limited that yeah. i would be really very cautious about uh asking for donations now mm. because we don't have the capacity like a, a huge organization such as PCRF, HEAL, or Inara would, um, Inara does do a lot of mental health work. They even have a rapid relief fund for Gaza and they're mm. able to um, save and to activate the, and make sure that the nation reaches the people who need it. Um, but I think just kindness, just be kind, be understanding, mm. realize that, you know, um, I, I I have a a, she's a psychologist She's extremely active about the Palestinian cause on, on Instagram and she kind of wasn't very happy that I told her, please, like when you do it, uh, uh, a webinar in the future with you. Um, we have to be careful with how much we can talk about uh, the, the the what's happening. And she was like, "Why you can't censor?" And I'm like, "But we, we're, host, we're I'm not hosting as Southon. I'm hosting as ABAL. We're all in different countries. We have some people on the West Bank who are terrified of being associated with anything that has to do with quote unquote pro-Palestinian. So mm-hmm. we, we, people are literally uh, in danger sometimes. So just be careful. Be be kind." Just like I, I forced myself to be kind. Like there was um, a response to one of those emails that I was telling you about, and and he said, "You want you want to talk about fear?" It's when I, uh, he, so he, he's in the Israeli chapter, and um, and he was like, "Hey, when I'm walking down the street, and we hear, and I have to duck down for cover, and I have to lie down over my children," and I started crying. Yes, he is a quote unquote on the opposite side, but he's human, and he's he, he is experiencing the same thing. It is so scary and very sad, and oh. I have the the emotional and cognitive breadth to accept that this is his position and I'll respect it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, when, when there is then verbal aggression I, and, and I, and I responded as such and I told him, I am very compassionate with what you're going through. I've been through mm-hmm. that too. It's very, very scary, but we should have just look at the call to action, like in that email, you know? So it was just, it was, I think that's all we can ask compassion yeah. and some understanding and, um, encouragement i think if possible Uh, but yeah yeah that's all we can expect and ask people kindness yeah
2: yeah Hmm. well salsun thanks for
0: thanks for coming on and talking to me
1: this was awesome. Thank you. It's an honor for me to be here. i followed you for quite a while. Uh, I, I, mm. I honestly, I hope that my ADHD didn't make me ramble too much. But uh, when uh, you mix in uh, what I'm passionate about, you can't mm-hmm. get me to stop talking.
0: <laughs> but AD- so, so a- ADHDers are my favorite guests because, uh, awesome. yeah. So I'm happy to have you. Thanks again.
1: All right. Thank you. And I, for anyone listening, I really hope that I didn't say anything that offends anyone. Um, mm-hmm. It was never my intention. Um, I have nothing but empathy and compassion to anyone um, who's facing any uh, mental health issue or any Mm. life circumstance that could be adverse. Mm. Um, So I really hope that in in no way was I insensitive or Mm. um, did I uh, hurt anyone or offend anyone. Mm -hmm. I want to kind of put that as a disclaimer.
2: Well said. Thanks again, Sasan. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me, Ben. Take care.